right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here. Derek Johnson back. He's back. How'd yesterday go? Good? It was great. Good. Great. Yeah. Nobody Just, nobody died. Didn't burn down the station. <laughs> positive. Uh, I'm glad yeah, that's, the, that's the bar that you went to. So, so uh, okay, yeah. that's, that's what I said yesterday. It's it's better to have a very very low bar because then you're always going to you be successful. Yeah, you're always going to be successful. Yep, can't fail so, if you don't set a high bar. You know, I mean, you can, but it's hard. It's sure. hard. Yeah. Um, today is officially National Way Too Early Rankings Day. Oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. I already saw some of that. Yeah. Kansas number 25 in Foxes. He also had Colorado at 21. That's wild. That's very wild. Coach Prime effect. I guess so. Uh, We're going to talk plenty of KU basketball today. KU taking on Oklahoma tonight. You uh, can basically hear the second half on on KLWN because we have our women's game here on KLWN tonight. They're going to be on the road against Texas. Uh, You can hear the entirety of the men's game on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. The fans, the tradition, the glory, there's nothing more thrilling than football going down and uh, the NFL playoffs coming this weekend. You got college basketball going on right now. Your go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Uh, big yikes if you bet on TCU, like in any way yesterday. If you did any player props on them, you did anything with them, they yeah. probably did not hit. Yeah, tough one. Georgia got the over all by themselves. They did. That was my favorite bet from the game, and thank goodness they did because TCU was not pulling so, their listen, uh, part there. When I talked about it yesterday, I said the path to the under in that game is Georgia dominates and they win 45-10 to 10 or whatever or 45-7. to 7. What I didn't expect was Georgia to dominate so insanely well that they were just going to score 63 points on their own. Yeah. No, I mean, t- t- if, if Georgia really wanted to, like they kept the starters in and they kept doing the tempo they were doing early in the game, I think they could have scored 100 points. I really do. <laughs> I, I don't think TCU had a chance in the world at stopping them. Yeah, because even late in the game, like, they were just running HB dive every yes, play, and they were still getting 10 yards, like 10 yards, yards play. You know? Yeah. Stetson Bennett running for 20 yards every time yep. he wanted to run. It was insane. Uh, you can also yep. bet on the KU-Oklahoma game tonight. OU getting 10.5 over under 132.5. Um, I don't know if you have a favorite prop bet. I have a couple that stick out. For the KU game? Yes. So on DraftKings, you can get Dewan Harris over under 7.5 points. It's minus 135. I love the over there. He's been scoring, shooting the ball well so far. I like Grady Dick over 14.5 points. That's minus 105. He uh, obviously continues to shoot well, but also Oklahoma's two guard. If it if it's going to be Sherfield who's guarding him, Sherfield's a great offensive player, not a good defensive player. So Dick should be able to uh, take advantage of that. Yep. Um, 
This is the first time I've ever seen KJ Adams be on there. He's over under ten and a half. I I don't know that I'd touch it, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, that, he scored double digits in yeah, eight yes, straight games. Yes, I eight straight games, I believe. He's on there uh, once again. I uh, don't mind Dewan Harris over five and a half assists at minus one thirty-five. Those are the ones that stick out to me. Okay, but you can bet on whatever play you want. Do that. DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code KLWN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Uh, I'm just going to put this out there. We'll pick at the end of the segment, but if you have any last second, we have four KU football tickets, or no, I'm sorry, KU basketball tickets that we're going to be giving away. I'm so excited about them being ranked 25th <laughs> and the, the way too early. Uh, so we have we have four KU basketball tickets. We're going to give away them in sets of pairs. So we're going to give away two pairs of KU basketball tickets for tonight. The game is against Oklahoma at 8 o'clock. You have to be able to come by the station at some point before the game and pick them up. We will just give them to you, though. It is that easy. All you got to do, go to my Twitter account. At D Johnson Radio. Just like the tweet. We're going to pick a random winner at the end of this segment. So that's how you win free KU basketball tickets for tonight. Uh, we're going to have some to give away for Saturday against Iowa State, but we'll do that later in the week. And that one will have uh, a little bit more time between winner giving it away. Okay. Before we get into this KU Oklahoma discussion, yes. I, meant, I talked about this yesterday. I want to ask you about it. I believe that Grady Dick, and let me make sure I can explain this correctly. I believe that Grady Dick has officially entered into the category of if he is open and he rises up, I assume it's going in yes. every single time. Yes. Okay. We both agree on that. Yeah. How many other shooters under Bill Self would you put in that category of guys that if they are a little bit open and you they rise up, going in. you just yeah. assume it's going in? Yeah. How many other of, How many other guys would you put in that category? It's kind of funny because if you, it's in the same way that like when I watch an MLB hitter who's hitting like 310. Every time I watch them hit, I assume it's going to be a hit. But statistically, you're still not getting a hit 70% of the time. And it's the same thing with the, this one's a little less extreme. But in basketball, like if you're shooting 40% from three on high volume, it's like this okay, guy's but a knockdown shooter. If you're left open, I, 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 I know, higher. I, I know, I know. But still, at the end of the day, it's like you're still going to miss half of the ones you take. You know what I mean? <laughs> like even if you're shooting 50%, whatever it is. Um, so I find that funny. But under but, Bill Self, yes. how many other guys would you be willing to put in that category? Uh, okay, of, just off the top of my head. Of Hypothetically, you're watching mm-hmm. the game. The guy catches the ball. He's a little open. He rises up. Yeah. The TV turns off. You assume it went in. Yeah, so you're, so you're not saying you're not saying wide open where it's like he could have taken three seconds just no, to get I'm it off. No, I'm saying if you're also not saying contested. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uncontested, just enough open, space. enough yeah, space. Kind of happy medium. Yes. I think Ochai was that last year. Okay. I... Go back and forth with Christian Brown. He was a really good shooter, but also, I don't know that I was quite there. Um, so Ochai would be there. Uh, prior to that, I, I don't think, know. I, I mean, Isaiah Moss got to be on there. Yeah, he was. Isaiah Moss was a good three point shooter, but he wasn't that good. Where I just assumed everything was going in. So no, that wouldn't be the answer there. Yes, yeah, Fee would have to be on there. Devonte would have to be on there you think for so? me. Devonte was shooting like forty percent on you know high volume, and he'd even hit the contested well, I was ones and the about deep this. ones. Exactly. So I kind of made it. Made two separate categories. Mm-hmm. You have the category of guys where if they were open, you assumed it was going in, or the category of guys that were just going to nail contested clutch shots. Mm-hmm. And I put Devontae in the other category. No, that's fair. 
Uh, I mean, because, yeah, in the West Virginia game, you saw it. Like, he even just gets an inch of space, and yes. it's it's over. Um, that's why I think you could have a good game tonight with Sherfield kind of struggling defensively. If he's even half a step late, you lose half a step of focus. Like, that's enough. I, I think I'd put – Brandon Green, for me, is, is 100% on there. Um, who else? I mean, honestly, Frank Mason's senior year, if we're saying semi-contested, <laughs> like, he wasn't someone who you wanted necessarily, like – taking a, a step back three the same way Devonte could I mean he could hit it but um if it's you're saying basically semi-contested I, I'd feel confident that was going in um I don't know am I missing anyone I, I, I mean we know. could go back way further like I'm sure that's that's how I, I don't remember enough like as a child yeah, like, feeling I mean, it about like Brandon Rush but I'm <laughs> I'm sure that was the case same maybe for like Mario Chalmers and some of the older guys but of recent one Ben McElmore probably be up there felt like everything was going in with him he was such a good shooter but basically the point being here is that it's a, short a pretty list, short and, list and of every guys. name that we've brought up is like an all-american or like an all big 12 player yes like except for a, brandon green that's a really yeah. short list and Isaiah of elite shooters yeah and we're 14 games into graded x career and we think he's there yeah no i mean i i think so we can have the conversation about is he the the best uh, there's a lot of conversations you can have with grady dick I think we've we've held off on them a little because it's still January. We'll probably get into more of them in February, and, and maybe we'll wait, even wait till the end of the season. But, like, right now, just right now, he is in the running for a couple things. The best freshman shooter in Bill Self history. The best freshman, true freshman in Bill Self history. I mean, that, that one's probably going to be pretty tough because – Wiggins and Josh Jackson and you know it, it, if we say true freshman it discounts like Ben McElmore there, there have been other really good freshmen but he is in that running at the very least like he's he's on the short list um and honestly like right now he is in the running again there's a reason I'm not saying this right now <laughs> that he could wind up the greatest like shooter in in, in a one season span in Bill's off history if he's shooting six and a half threes a game 49 percent I mean it's hard not to pick that guy, but again, we're not going to have the full conversation yet because it's still early enough in the season. Uh, yeah. So KU takes on Oklahoma tonight. You can hear the entire thing on 105.9 KISS. And one thing that really sticks out to me against OU in this game, they slow it down. I think in honor of that, I'm going to talk very I'm gonna slow walk out of the studio if you do that. for the rest I'm, of the I'm literally going to remove segment. my headphones and I'm going to walk out of the studio. <laughs> You're gonna do that the whole sh- the whole segment. Maybe I'll do it the whole show. No, um, they are 345th in tempo in the country. Wow. Yes, that is very very low. And and like I remember having these conversations when KU played Wisconsin and saying that like it, it was actually it was before we knew if they were gonna play Wisconsin or Dayton. And I remember saying I think you'd rather play Dayton because Wisconsin's just gonna slow it down. And we know Kansas likes to get in transition. It's not that they can't play in the half court, but they really thrive in transition. Wisconsin is 330th in tempo. So if you thought that was You're a slow game. these clowns are slower than slower. Wisconsin? Slower. Oh I don't even think that was possible. I don't love that. I don't love that no, for that, Kansas. And I don't man, love that for just a neutral viewership perspective either. No, that's boring. I mean, But if, if Kansas can handle that, which I think they've gotten better at it over the course of the season, um, yeah. the two things that stick out to me about Oklahoma, they shoot the ball really well. And they have 
Two guys who you know aren't going to be afraid of the moment in Allen Fieldhouse. Grant Sherfield, just a big-time shot maker, scores a lot for them. He can hit tough shots. And then Tanner Groves, we've seen have really good games against Kansas, uh, whether it was last season in Allen Fieldhouse almost yeah. pulling the upset or whether it was the NCAA tournament game at Eastern Washington. Yeah, I do think kind of to your point about the tempo, something we've discussed is Kansas is not necessarily – extremely, extremely elite at anything, but they're really, really good at a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And what that allows them to do is win a lot of games where teams are going to do different things that is like that team's strength and KU is still good enough to like handle it, right? And a, an example of that would be the tempo, I'd have to say, right? I think we, we everybody agrees Kansas is a better team or they play better in transition, but they are good enough and they have shown that they are good enough that they can play a lot of different styles and still win. And that's going to be on display tonight against Oklahoma because Oklahoma is probably going to force them into the half court. Yes. So that's the challenge for Kansas. Now, I will say, um, Oklahoma doesn't have great rim protection. Uh, they play the Groves brothers a lot at the 4-5. and five. I do think this is a game where Jalen Wilson can kind of play bully ball and, and have a dominant game inside. Like I kind of expect him to score 20 or more in this game. I think this could be a good matchup for him offensively. OU doesn't really force a lot of turnovers. They... Um, turn the ball over a good amount on their offensive side of the ball. So, like, there are ways that you can, if you can do that, you can speed it up a little bit more and and find advantages. They don't really crash the offensive glass. That's because they just send guys back to uh, play transition defense. They don't really crash the offensive glass, or, or I mean, they don't really, uh, they're not like an elite defensive rebounding team either. So, like, there are a lot of reasons why Oklahoma, despite being top 25 in the country in both two-point percentage and three-point percentage, are not one of the like 10 best teams in the country, and it's because they, they haven't done a lot of other great things so far this season, but they're dangerous, and yeah. I think that's just kind of the point with every Big 12 team you play. You just go into a specific game, even when it is in, in Outfield House, you expect them to win, but it's still dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mentioned this yesterday after the West Virginia game in that I really don't think Kansas is going to have very many more conference games like the West Virginia game. And what I mean by that is, you're, I don't think you're going to have very many more games where it's just wire to wire, you were pretty much in control the whole game. Like, yeah, West Virginia, they got within like five, I think, right before halftime. But like, Kansas was in control. They were the significantly better team all 40 minutes, right? I don't know that you're going to have that be the case very many times in conference play. Uh, many more, many, very many more times than in conference play. So, Let's just say, I guess, buckle up, right? This is an Oklahoma team that's coming off of a road victory against Texas Tech, a place that Kansas barely won, and Oklahoma Oklahoma beat Texas Tech in overtime. So you you would think they're going to come in with a little bit of confidence. And and listen, I mean, the message you've heard from Bill Self and from if you pay attention to any other Big 12 coach, it's the same across the league of, hey, if you don't show up, you're going to lose yep. on any given night. 100%. Period. End of story. Yes, so you have to take every game seriously, and, and they do have that potential to do it. Uh, but I, I also think you should feel like you're in a, a pretty good spot here. We, we yeah. probably said that last year, though, when they were in Norman, and or, or I'm sorry, when they were uh, playing Oklahoma in Allen Fieldhouse, and, and it nearly was a loss till Zach Clements came in and really turned the game, which that feels like ages ago at this point, though he did <laughs> score against West Virginia, so yeah. headed in the right direction there. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what sticks out about Oklahoma. Good coach, but yeah, slow that, it down. They do but, some things that are interesting, but, but yeah, Kansas is the better team. Yeah, exactly. That being said, this is still the sixth or seventh, eighth best team in the Big 12 probably. Yeah. Right? So this is a game that certainly if you're Kansas – you should be able to win by more than a possession or two. Yes. Okay, so Kansas wins if what? I think Kansas wins if they just play a B game. 
I don't think they need to be particularly great tonight. Uh, but they they don't they need to play well enough to win, obviously. But I don't think they need to. This to me, this doesn't need necessarily need to be a game where Kansas needs to put in some sort of Herculean effort to win. I think that they have the talent and they have the the skill on the perimeter. They have the skill with Jalen Wilson, like you said, should be able to play a little bit of bully ball. Like I think this this could kind of be potentially a game where they don't need to they shouldn't need to exert themselves too heavily. I don't think. I have I have uh, a couple that stick out, so uh, I'm gonna speak them through, and then I'll, I'll pick one. I guess um, the first would be just just don't let them hit a barrage of threes. They they're first in almost fifty percent of their field goal attempts are threes so far in their three Big Twelve games. Forty four percent of their shots from the field, so not counting free throws, are three point attempts. That's most in the conference. Um, I'm guessing that's a lot. To, has a lot to do with Grant Sherfield. Yeah, I mean, sure, Phil's there, too. He, he takes a bunch. Yeah, Jacob Groves and Tanner Groves having two kind of stretch, like, four and five men at the four and five. Like, that certainly I helps, too. I guess that's too. an interesting matchup. Like, is this maybe the first real game where you're going to be playing against some guys that are true stretch four, stretch five type players? Where both of them are? I feel like, may, I don't know. There's probably a game in there that we're forgetting, um, but I, it, maybe. It seems like it. Uh, Jalen I mean, Hill. I, that, that shouldn't really, I don't think that should concern you. Uh, if you're a Kansas, no, defender. because you have the you have the this you is one of those speed, teams where it's like the yeah, yeah, KU's not playing two lumbering big man like they're yeah. playing wings. They can yeah. defend the three point line. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So that's that's one thing. Just don't let them go off where they're you know 14 of 30 from three point range. Uh. The other thing would just be, um, force force a bunch of turnovers, and. I don't want to get into the disaster mode. Like, I could tell you, hey, Oklahoma doesn't force a lot of turnovers. They don't. They're 290th in the country in turnover rate defensively. So just don't have a game where you create your own mistakes and give away turnovers. Which and that, that is true. has been the it case It is true, at times. but also, I'm not going to predict disaster. You know no. what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's like me being like, well, if the earth ends today. Okay, I mean, I guess it could, but why would I predict it? Let's just live our life, you know? Um, And then... The other thing to me is just that the KJ Adams wins his minutes against Tanner Groves. And that might be the one that I really want to pick because I do think what you're talking about there with the stretch fives, I think KJ can battle him pretty well. I yeah. think KJ's got good strength that even though Groves is kind of a bigger dude, he should be able to hold his own inside. And I think KJ can actually give Tanner Groves some problems on the other end of the floor. So uh, I guess that would be the one that sticks out. Uh, Oklahoma wins if what or, or covers if what, I, think, I guess. I think you kind of maybe already floated it. If, if they shoot well, right? Like if they if they come out and, and shoot really well. <laughs> Bill Self had he made a couple of funny comments I thought after West Virginia game where he was like, early in the first half we were up by more than we should have been because we just got lucky with some shots. But then later in the first half we were up by less than we should have been because we played you know, we didn't play as well as we should have right. Like I thought that was really funny when he was going on about that. And this kind of idea is like if OU just hits shots, just makes a bunch of shots and puts a lot of pressure on Kansas early Maybe that becomes an issue, but I mean, we all know that infamous second half run with you know 15 minutes left, 10 minutes left in the second half. It happens every time at Allenfield House. So I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm not concerned. Yeah, I I would just say yeah. Going back, they they just go bonkers from three, I guess, and and the big men are, are giving but you trouble. Is, is KJ gets if, in foul even trouble. If Oklahoma does shoot well from three. Like Kansas has shown that they shoot yeah. well from three. So if they shoot well from three, then those, and those kind of maybe cancel each other out a bit, then it doesn't matter. All right, we got to pick our ticket winners for the game tonight. So, Nick. You need a drum roll? No, your job. Oh, I have a different job? Yes. Well, I mean, you can. You can do both. Oh, okay. um, I just asked people to like the tweet 
and I'm going to pick one random winner. We have 65 likes. Sorry for the the late notice on this for anybody who wanted to get in. Um, Nick, I'm going to have you pick a number, 1 through 65. Oh. Or should I do a uh, number generator? Would that be more random? Uh, I'm going to do a number generator. Uh, okay. I, don't, I don't trust you. You don't want me to pick a number I don't for trust one you. and then... What do you not trust me about? That doesn't <laughs> actually, make no. sense. I know. I'm just joking. That literally doesn't make no, sense. No, I, I actually do. I'm going to have you pick one, and then and I'm going to gen- okay, generate okay, the other okay, one. Okay, okay, I like that. All right. Do you want me to do the generator first, or do you want to go? Um... That's a lot. Of, oh. I'll do, do the generator. Do the generator okay. first. Because then that way, if I accidentally 33. pick a number. 33. Right dab in the middle. Wow. So 33. That's kind of boring. Um, I'm I'm going to let you. I, I have to count who's the 33rd person in here. Okay. But, so I'll do that during the break, and we'll let you know who won at the start of the next break. But what's okay. your number? My number is 29. Okay. 29 and 33. I will let you know at the start of next segment who those winners are. And uh, I'll hit them up on on Twitter as well to to get you those tickets. So congratulations in advance to whoever those are. Matt Tate's going to join the show in 15 minutes. Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk next. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Half past the hour, Matt Tate will join us in about 10 minutes. Congratulations to our two winners of tickets for uh, the KU-Oklahoma game tonight. You uh, need to come by the station and pick them up before the game tonight, but uh, that would be Sherry Dunn and also Chris, who is Jayhawk1980 on Twitter. So congratulations to both of you. If you're upset that you weren't picked, blame the computer that picked one of them and blame Nick, who picked the other one. <laughs> so take up your complaints with him. He picked the numbers. Uh, hello, yes, Rock Talk Sports Talk Complaint <laughs> Department. Oh, you lost? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Complaint Try again denied. next time. Complaint denied. All right, uh, we got to do a Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk. No, actually, I finally got another win. I actually love everyone that listens, so no, I would be really kind to you. <laughs> we'll try to get you. We're going to have more ticket giveaways, so yeah. you'll have another chance. Uh, so, reminder for Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk you get a point for every point the player scores. You get two points for assists and rebounds. You get three points for steals and blocks. Lose a point for shots missed. Lose two for turnovers. You lose 18 points if your player gets a flop. Um, any questions? Nope. I made up the flop rule, by the way. I wasn't even listening. Oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> I was say? waiting for you to react, <laughs> and you never did. <laughs> I said, player loses 18 points if they get a flop. Oh. Flop call against them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> I, literally just, I literally just was not listening. <laughs> well, uh, you have the first pick. Okay. Who would you like? I guess I got to go with Jalen Wilson. I mean, you don't have to. You could let me have him. No, I'm going to go with Jalen Wilson just because mm-hmm. I know you wanted him. I did. I think he's going to have a big game tonight. I think 20 and 10 for Jalen. Okay. By the way, 14 and 14 for him against uh, West Virginia. Quietest 14 and 14 since when? Ever? Ever. <laughs> for a KU player? I don't know if I want to use the ever moniker on a, a KU basketball rich program. Ever. But- ever. <laughs> Um, I want Grady Dick. Quietest second. fourteen and fourteen since Wilt's hundred. <laughs> for uh, you taking Jalen's fourteen and fourteen or Donovan Mitchell's seventy-one, up for debate. Um, <laughs> next, <laughs> let's see. Okay, so I have Grady Dick first. Okay, this is where it gets tough. Those were the clear top two on my board. I I keep waiting for Kevin McCuller to have like a big offensive game in Big Twelve play, and it just hasn't happened. Hit a couple mid-range shots. He keeps doing really well in Rockstar Pickock. Yeah, because he, he fills up the stat sheet. That's certainly helpful. Yeah. Um, I am going to go Dewan Harris. I I think 
Oklahoma without their rim protection, if he can get into the lane, that's a lot of driving kicks. He's shooting the ball well. I'll take DeJuan. Well, I'm going to take Kevin McCuller. And then I think I just have to go with KJ. Again, you don't have to. You can let me have him. No, I'm going to go with KJ. KJ's leading the team in blocks, by the way. He's got 15. Zuby has 12. In a billion less minutes. Uh, Yeah, actually, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I can Derek take an Johnson Oklahoma player. He's on the clock. I know. I need to hurry up. Uh, let's go with Bobby Pettiford off the bench. Okay. And then I will take one Joe Yesifu. I thought it looked pretty good okay. Okay. against West Virginia. His stats kind of suggest otherwise, but okay. Uh, I will go with Zuby. He's been the first big off the bench. And... This is a tough pick because I could go with Cam Martin, could go with Zach Clements, could pick MJ Rice, even though supposedly he had back spasms in pregame against West Virginia. That's why he couldn't play, but he's back, supposedly. So I think I'm going to go with Zach Clements. Okay, Zach Clements. Um, I guess... Give me Cam Martin, and then yeah. uh, I'll take the first Oklahoma player. This is tough because Grant Sherfield, Tanner Groves, those are the two obvious answers here. Sherfield scores a lot more points, gets a few more assists, but he's going to shoot it more. Groves yeah. gets a lot more rebounds. For that reason, I'm going to go with Tanner Groves. I mean, I took also gets more blocks. Uh, Stevenson, and this guy went 4 of 19. Are you going to go with another KU just, player? That's just that bad. ended the question of if you just take someone and they go off. Yeah, no, so it, it either means they go no, off or they do nothing or they suck. Yeah, yeah, there's no in between. You know what? I'm not. I don't want to pick an Oklahoma player. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna pick MJ Rice. All right, no Grant Sherfield. I regret that one. He's Nick. Ah. I'm Derek. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World joins us next. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear the KU women's game tonight on KLWN. Men's game will take over after that. Entirety of the men's game over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Joined now by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. What would be more difficult for the 2007 version of Matt Tate to wrap his head around, Matt? Would it be that uh, in 15 years from now, Bill Self would have a team of of you know, a six, seven, five man with a bunch of wings, or would it have been like a 2018 team that um, just has all sorts of shooting wings on the outside? Which of those for, you know, 15 year ago, Matt would have been harder to wrap your head around Bill Self playing like? Uh, 15 year ago, Matt didn't know anything really. So <laughs> he, uh, he, let's see, 15 year ago, Matt was, what's that, 29? No, no, no. I can't do the math on that. That's probably right. But, yeah, I uh, I would have certainly picked this type of team because, obviously, everyone has known forever how important not only having a big man that he can throw the ball to is, is to self, but also just the high-low was, you know, that was sort of at the height of the high-low that he ran and, and, and still can run and doesn't, doesn't hate running. But, like, yeah, the, the, the idea that, that you're starting a big man and really not even playing any others, that you don't even play through. You don't even throw the ball to. I mean, how many times last season even did uh, did, did he um, 
you know, keep throwing it to Dave um, when when it wasn't working or when people were like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, granted, those are fans, and you don't, you don't have to worry too much about what fans say if you're a Hall of Fame head coach. But he kept doing it. He kept doing it. He kept doing it. And obviously it paid off in the end, and there were reasons for it, and it, it, it opened things up and all of that. But, you know, I mean, the fact that you would have told me 15 years ago that he doesn't have that even as an option would have been – Way too hard for me to get my head around, um, especially as someone who didn't know anything and probably thought he knew a lot more. So I, I think this is, uh, and I wrote about it today. I asked him about it yesterday. Um, I've been wanting to ask him about that for a while, not specifically the big man thing, but just as Kansas fans have started to embrace this new style that KU plays um, and really the new style that the game has become, Self has shown in the last three, four, five years that he's willing and able to adjust his mindset and philosophies and approach and is a lot more flexible than, A, he would have been, and, and B, that people might have thought he was. So I think we've all seen that over the last few years, and, and I've been wanting to ask him about that for a while. A, if he agrees with that, you know, does does he does he feel that, that he's also – adjusting more and being more flexible and all that. And, and I finally got a chance to do it yesterday. I don't really know why. I guess we were talking a little bit about KJ, and that kind of fits right in there. So I, I finally got a chance to ask him that, and I thought his answers were amazing. I couldn't I couldn't write it fast enough. I mean, he was very candid with, with uh, everything, not only how he feels about his ability to adjust of late, but also how he feels about how they recruit to that, um, also how things used to be, and, and just – Flat out admitting, you know, we, we, we would have not done it that way in the past or we didn't do it that way in the past. So I thought that was some really good stuff from him, um, just really opening up and, 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 you know, not emotionally opening up, but just letting us look behind and, and inside the mind of a, of a legendary head coach and a Hall of Famer and all that. And, and uh, I think it's obviously something that's working really well for him, his ability to to adjust and, and kind of just coach to your personnel. And, and he said that, right? The quote was great. I mean, give me the five best guys and we'll, we'll make it work out. I mean, that, that's perfect. That's a great quote, and that's basically what he's done the last few years. Do you think, in your eyes, this is really the best start Kansas could have asked for in conference play? Starting 3-0, and Baylor being 0-3, Texas stumbling. You've got all these other teams, you know, across the rankings, but Kansas being 3-0. I mean, is this – for Kansas, all, and then also big picture-wise throughout the rest of the conference, is, is this the best start to conference play you could have asked for if you're Kansas? Yeah, probably so. I mean, for sure the 3-0 and with two road wins, there's no doubt that that, that part of it is absolutely critical. Um, but, you know, the, the other part of that being that, hey, this is uh, the, the other top teams that you thought were probably the biggest contenders coming in were, were uh, you know, were, were more uh, – Taking the taking the losses, right? Like the, those teams that you just mentioned are are teams that you thought were going to be right there at the end, and still could be. I think that's the most important part here is that just because Baylor's zero and three doesn't mean that they're not going to go, you know, uh, thirteen and five. I mean, they they still could. Um, we'll see. Then they got their work cut out for them to do it, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you want to you want to look at that and say there's no doubt that this was the best start. Having said that, I'm I'm not sure it'll end up being that, right? Like 
K-State's really good. Iowa State's really good. And, and all of a sudden, those are your top teams that you're contending with, and, and you got to play both of them in the next week. So um, we'll, we'll kind of extrapolate that out a little bit more and say, okay, well, if they get by those teams or if they split with those teams or whatever the case is, then, you know, at that point you might say, yeah, now, now you're talking about the best possible start they could have had. But if you do that, you're, you're just, you know, stealing time. And, and at, at some point you get through nine games and you're halfway through the season. So um, if you want to be bold and don't want to be me and try to milk it for all it's worth till you get to the halfway point, then, yeah, I think saying today that's the best start they could ask for is, is totally fair and, and probably right on the money. So I'm curious then, who do you view? I, I feel like everybody would have a different answer. Me and Nick were kind of arguing about how would you even rank the Big 12 right now. Who who do you view as, as the biggest Big 12 title threat right now to Kansas? Yeah, awesome question. Um, Thank you. What's TCU, 2-1? and one? Uh, Wait a second. No awesome question for me? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TCU is 2-1. and one. They lost their uh, opener at Iowa State and, and have won the last two. Okay, so... I, I would probably lean towards them because of that. I might – I mean, I'm still a big, big believer in Baylor. Um, and I know they've hit a, a stretch here. But I think they've got the personnel. Um, they've got a, they've got a, a system. Um, they're not going to fade. They're not going to just throw their arms up and fall apart. They're not going to panic, right? Like – this is a team that won the national title a couple of years ago, and, and they're not going to all of a sudden say, we don't know how to play basketball or we don't know how to coach basketball. So I still think Baylor's a, a really, really close answer there. Um, and, that you know, I don't want to knock anybody, but I, I, I got to see more from, from Iowa State. I got to see more from K-State um, before, I, before I say that they're a true contender because they're hot and and as self said yesterday in 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 the conference you know teams adjust to what you do and then you have to counter adjust to that and and it's a grind and it's a gauntlet and and so i i think we need to see um jerome tangs in his first year in the conference uh, as a head coach and uh and Otzelberger's, you know in his second year up there at iowa state as a head coach and and uh, they both there's a lot to like about both of those guys but you know let's let's see a little more before we say that they're the teams to beat or the teams to worry about most. So I, I would probably say TCU if you made me pick one today, and, and I would also throw Baylor in there if you're giving me a second one. I, I, I You know, I have an AP vote, and, and I've, I put Baylor 25th this week. Um, I know they've lost a few in a row here, and, and you know, but they're losing to good teams, and they're playing good basketball still, and I still think just personnel-wise they're, they're good. I mean, I heard about it from a couple of places, keeping them in the poll. Don't, don't, don't let me fool you there. You know, people <laughs> like to, people like to remind you. And, and while we're talking about that, I mean, I got absolutely roasted in some areas yesterday <laughs> on Twitter by K State fans for putting them twentieth. And you know, I thought that was more than fair. Like I, I wanted to rank them the week earlier because hey, you know, they look pretty good. This is a good team, but. I just didn't believe that they had the resume yet. And then you go beat Baylor and Texas on the road, and now you've got the resume. But that doesn't mean you're going to go um, top five. I mean, three voters had them, had them fourth. That, to me, is crazy. And, and so here they are sitting at 11, which is just awesome. And, and I would think that if you're a Kansas State fan, you're sitting there going, this is amazing. Our team's 11th in the country. But instead of just enjoying that, you've got a handful of K-Staters that are out there going, 
Why'd you only put us 20th, you SOB? Like, what What are we doing, man? I I don't understand it. But but I guess, you know, I guess there were probably some KU fans that were yelling at people for not having them higher than 19th when they were in the football poll, too. So that's probably just what fans do. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that that, that, whole, that whole poll thing's funny. Either way, though, KU's got five teams in the top 17. Or I'm sorry, the Big 12 has five teams in the top 17. Baylor's 26. I mean, this is this is an awesome conference, and it's going to be an unbelievable grind for all 10 teams, not just the top teams, not just the contenders, for all 10 to get to the end of this thing, um, regardless of what that means and what their fate holds. Uh, just getting to the end is going to be an accomplishment in and of itself. We're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here. What sticks out to you the most about tonight's matchup specifically with uh, Oklahoma? Oh, man. You know, I, I think probably the biggest thing is something that Self said yesterday, and, and that and he said this a lot last year when Porter Moser came into the league. Um, he's been very complimentary of, of what what Porter runs and the, and the style of coach that he is, and, and he continues to say that they run some of the most clever stuff. And for Bill Self to compliment you with words like that, should tell everybody just how creative and innovative and, and you know, flat-out clever um, this offense can be and how hard they can be to defend. So I, I'm, I'm eager to see how Kansas defends that. I think that um, we saw in, in 2021 uh, when, when the Groves brothers were at Eastern Washington, we saw all we wanted to see and needed to see about how talented they are and and how big of a load Tanner Groves can be. Um, so, you know, another tough test for K.J. Adams, another test for KU's front court, um, whatever that looks like and whoever that includes. Um, but, you know, these people keep talking about K.J.'s 6'7", and he's got to guard big guys and all that, and, and that's very true. And, and you know, we all, we all know that that's a challenge. But He's strong enough. He's athletic enough. He can handle a lot of challenges. Not not perfectly, but but he's up to any of them. And then, of course, the the, the way you defend, then right, you, you trap the post on the catch. You do things like that 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 make it uncomfortable for the for the other big guys. And and you don't just try to beat them one on one or or you know man to man. So I, I think that it'll be interesting to see what that looks like tonight. Um, not only with Groves just being a beast and and you know, having had some success in the past against KU, but also um, with, with how, how Moser gets him open and, and what kind of clever, quote-unquote, clever stuff he brings to the table. I, I, you know, I think, what's the line? Like 10 and a half, right? Or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 10 and a half. Yeah, I mean, like, that's great. And it makes a lot of sense. And KU's a, a better team. We, we know that right now. And, and uh, they're coming home, and they just won two tough road games, and, and it's going to be – it's going to be rocking in there, and a lot of reason to think that they can cover that line, but there's even more reason to think they won't. I mean, every freaking big game, this their Big 12 game so far this season has been so close almost. I, I did a little bit of, of looking at that earlier. I think the road team's 10-5 and in the 15 games, and uh, that's pretty incredible right there. And I think there were seven games decided by three points or less and four that were double-digit wins. So, you know, if you're just basing tonight off of that, I think it's totally fair to expect another close game and something that comes down to the end. Um, but having said that, I think KU's feeling pretty good about those two road wins. And, 
it wouldn't surprise me if this homecoming and, and all the love they're going to feel and just kind of their confidence right now um, takes them to, to an, an easier victory than maybe some of the others have been. But I don't know that I'd bet on that. I think 10 and a half is a large number. Um, of course, I thought that 13 or something was a big number for the Seton Hall game and what they went by almost 30. So that, that, that tells you all you need to know about listening to me and the gambling lines. But, um, but I think, I think it'll be a dogfight. I think OU's got talent. I think they're tough. Um, and, and they've got some pieces that KU hasn't seen before too. So it, it's, it's going to probably be a, a kind of grind it out, feel it out first half. And, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Grady Dick has been playing phenomenal, right? And maybe even better than I think people expected him to. Is it is it crazy to say that he is the best freshman shooter Bill Self has ever had? No, not crazy at all. And and you don't even need to say shooter, maybe. I mean, like this 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 kid, I think we all overlook it. I think we take it for granted. I think I think a lot of people expect freshmen now to just come in and be great and not just at Kansas but across the country because we've seen a lot of that. Um, but what what Grady's doing as a freshman is it is very much on the short list of the best freshman seasons that KU has has had. Um, you know, he's he's not quite Andrew Wiggins, of course. Um, you know, and there are some others that 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 he doesn't quite measure up to yet. Anyway, I mean, he's still got a, a half of a season, if not more, um, to to you know to, to show that maybe he does belong with those guys. But either way, it's a short list. And because the team around him is so good, because Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller are are the veterans and the faces of this program right now, um, you maybe don't think about Grady as much, but people should not overlook that. I mean, if he's only going to be at KU for one year, uh, people should jump on board and fully appreciate what he's doing because it's just not that easy as a freshman to come in and, and play the way he's playing and and I think everybody knew offensively he was a he was a nice player and had a great shot and that's that's certainly proven to be true um during these first 15 games but I think the growth you've seen in him as a defender um that to me in the last couple of weeks you know that that to me is what tells you um that this kid's a different type of player and and uh, that's why people are talking lottery pick for him that's why People are talking about him only being around one year, um, and, and a lot of that is his past, man, and his and his the work he's put in. I mean, when you've played at Sunrise Christian, you've played on some pretty big stages. When you've played for USA Basketball in other countries, you've played on some pretty big stages. There's not a whole lot that that you know can rattle you or, or put you in a place that makes you uncomfortable. And and um, you know, having said that, he's still got the rest of the Big Twelve grind to go through and. He's got to go down to Baylor and play, and he's got to go down to Texas and play, and he's got to go down to TCU and play. And there's a lot of things that that he hasn't seen still. But um, I think some of that that sort of, uh, I guess, preparation that he went through with playing in those other spots and and on those types of stages for the stakes that he played for, uh, I think that had him ready to go when he when he got here and uh, he hit the ground running and his his season his numbers his production his impact uh, you know nobody should overlook what he's doing i mean it's 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 way up there with among the best freshmen that have come through here certainly under bill self but probably all time he is matt tate you can check out all his work 
KUSports.com and in the Lawrence Journal world, including after the game tonight against Oklahoma. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good rest of your week. You bet. You guys too. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right. That's Matt Tate once again. KUSports.com, LJ World. Check out everything from uh, tonight's game and his coverage of the Jayhawks and the Sooners. You can hear it as well here on KLWN after the women's game. Entirety of it over on 105.9 Cast With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is RCST. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. We're going to talk to Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports coming up in about 35 minutes from right now. And we'll talk to him a little bit about the college football playoff national title. We'll also talk uh, a bunch of Big 12 hoops with Kevin, but that game was an uh, absolute stinker last night. Yeah, what a game, man. What a crazy, exciting game. Wow, so much interesting, exciting things happened. I mean, I was really glued to my TV for all three hours of the game. Really exciting. Yeah, I mean, dude, that Spurs that Spurs Grizzly game, you couldn't miss it, right? Mm-hmm. Three hours, I was, I was glued. Oh, wait, we're talking about the College Football Championship? Oh, my bad. Sorry, wrong segment. Uh, no, I turned that thing off. Oh, my. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, horrible. <laughs> No, I, I turned so it off bad. At, uh, at, at halftime. I really I actually, did. Okay, here's what I did. I have a, a two-TV setup, so mm-hmm. I actually just started playing NCAA football on my other. That was more enjoyable, I'm sure. And I had the I was, So I, the game was still on, but I wasn't really paying attention. No, there's no reason to. I was playing NCAA football. I was getting mad at, at, at the coached version of me in the game because I'm stupid. No, I, I, I kind of felt like as soon as they got up, even when it was 10 nothing. Even honestly, when it was seven nothing, so they 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 make a stop. Max Duggan misses two open throws, and that was like, you have to play an A game if you want to even have a like chance of competing here. And that that was yeah. shown they weren't doing that. Then Georgia just it looked like well, TCU if you was really have, think about it on TCU's touchdown drive, there was that busted coverage. That's play all it was. They got like fifty yards. Yeah. That that game could have been 65-0. It really could have. Like that. I mean, that's the only reason they scored. That was their only positive yeah. play of the whole game. Yeah, they, even when that happened, it was like, I don't know about that. And I, I <laughs> said on, I think I said on Twitter, like I'm getting Alabama Notre Dame vibes from, I think it was the 2012 season, 2013 but, title. Well, this was way worse. That was that. way worse. Yeah. Way worse. <laughs> that was the worst title game I've ever watched. Maybe I think of, in any sport. Of any sport. Of yeah. any sport. I mean, I guess you could probably, I'm sure you could find like some NBA finals games, but like it, you know, Obviously, but collectively, you but get like, a full seven games. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I guess you would have to look back and say, okay, was there an NBA Finals game where it was like to win the championship and it was that lopsided? Yeah, or you would have to say like a, an NBA Finals or World Series even where one team won all four games and every game was like, like in baseball, out. it was like nine to one. Yeah. And in, you know, basketball, every game they won by 25, 30 points. Yeah. That would be the equivalent of what Georgia did. Yeah. Um. So that, that, that sucked. And, what really sucks is is that was kind of the capper to what actually was a really fun overall college football season. Oh, absolutely! You had yeah. a lot of of different teams getting ranked and and fun, crazy upsets. You had exciting storylines. Yeah, the the storylines. You had Heisman drama. Like there wasn't that clear cut guy who just went coast to coast. Like Caleb Williams didn't emerge as the favorite till like the final two weeks. Yeah, you had a great bowl season overall. We had yeah. we had two good semifinals for the first time, and yeah. then and it then... just ended like that. Just complete mismatch in every way. Yeah, it was brutal. But I will say this. 
I don't think Michigan would have fared any better. I really I don't. I think they would have fared better. I think they would have only fared better, better because I, guess. I think they would have been able to run the ball a little better and maybe burn more time off, so that would have left Georgia with less opportunities to score 65 points. I think Michigan would have done a better job defending like, the run. What's the final score of that game, Georgia-Michigan? It, it, the Georgia we saw last night. Yeah. Against Michigan. Yeah, that was 40 45 17. The Georgia we saw that ended the season was the same Georgia we saw in the first game against Oregon, where it was like when they're playing their A game, you're screwed. Yeah. You're you're just screwed. You just get destroyed. You just get annihilated. No, I I do think you just sit there and you just take it. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, I will agree with you. I I will agree with you. It would still be a blowout. I do think Michigan holds down their running game a little more. And you might be saying, well, Michigan couldn't even hold down TCU's running game. That was just kind of a bad game for them. I mean, overall, they've been. I mean, Michigan this Georgia year, was averaging one point per play. I know. At one point in that game. Uh, yeah, they, they ended up with more touchdowns scored than TCU had first downs, I think. Um, Michigan only gave up 3.3 yards per carry this year. So, like, the TCU game was an anomaly. I, I think that Michigan could have made it a better game. Now, again, to your point, what does a better game mean? Because that could mean... Eric, a team of 11 me's could have made it a better game. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> they're scoring 80. No, they're scoring 100. Um, they're, they're scoring 100, yeah. I, I think they're scoring two hundred. I don't know. Hypothetically, Michigan loses thirty-eight to seven. Oh come on! And they still lost they by thirty-one. Forty-five to ten, at least, if not worse. All right, that's fine. We can split hairs there. That's that's four extra points on the point differential. They I score more than thirty-eight. I kind of think the TCU was like the fifth or the sixth best team in college football this year that ended up in that game. Okay, but hear me out first. I don't think TCU was undeserving. No, I, I don't think they were undeserving either. This is a different story. Different story completely. And I do agree with the idea that, and I think you would agree with this too, What's that? the top four isn't just based on who you think are the four best. Like, sure, that should matter a little. I mean, dude, but it, it should be based on most deserving, correct? I just don't even, I, I don't even know, and I don't even really care anymore. Okay. You're just, honestly. Yeah, it just doesn't like, matter what like, product just, they put out. I just don't care. doesn't matter the formula, it just results in... That. It just results in <laughs> Every time. people being mad yeah. and dumb stuff. Well, I, I I think it should be based off deserving, and from that standpoint, they were deserving. Sure, yeah, and I no, they were that. definitely deserving. Yeah. But I think looking back, you could easily be like, and eh, the Michigan loss was kind of a fluke. Like it took a horrible That's overturn call. That's what I've call. been saying. The last three, it took the last two four pick goes. sixes from a Michigan offense who had like seven turnovers coming into the game all That's year long. That's what I've been long. saying. The last four shows, uh, a Michigan defense that was great all season and great against an Ohio State offense that might have been the best in the country just fell apart. I mean, statistically, Ohio State's offense was the best like college offense yes. of all time. Like if, one if of the you best. if you play Michigan and TCU ten times, Michigan probably wins what seven or eight, probably. Yeah, so then you could also say, but this like, is why the games aren't played. But on, this is what I'm okay, saying. Ohio State. So this is why the games aren't played on paper. I know they're not, but Ohio. But State, maybe they should be Ohio, because Georgia <laughs> beat them by sixty. Ohio State nearly beat Georgia, and and quite honestly, they probably should have. They had a lot of chances to. Yeah. Now there is a, an element of it. I, I think I said it on Friday. I think Ohio State had the, if you're going to aim at the king, you best not miss because that was the one chance. That was the one chance for everybody across the country. It was sure. Ohio State to win that game, right? Sure. And I think Ohio State TCU, I still think Ohio State wins, but I think it would have been a better game, just stylistically, right? You would have had probably a less imposing TCU of a matchup. Would have scored but, more than seven points. Yes, correct. Um, but I think if we're, to, if we're to view that, I think there's no reason not to think that, hey, Ohio State was pretty close to Georgia. Michigan beat in Ohio State. I honestly think Georgia was the best team. I think Michigan was the second best team this year. I think Ohio State was the third best team. I think based on how Alabama just quickly disposed of K-State and how bad TCU lost to Georgia, I think Alabama was probably the, I don't know, fourth or fifth best team. By the way, Hendon see- Hooker, crazy or, or healthy for Tennessee, maybe they're the fourth best team. I mean, did you see um, during halftime, David Pollock is like going on this rant about how 
Georgia's the best team. Georgia's surpassed Bama. Blah, blah, blah. And Nick Saban is just sitting right next to him. And That's he just so looks awkward. like he wants to just walk off the set. What was really awkward for me was last year, or not last year, but for the last year's game, at the end of the uh, pregame, David Pollock was like, you know, one thing Georgia's going to have to deal with this game is last year everybody was rooting for them. And Nick Saban's like on the set. And you could see the look in his face like, what do you mean everybody's rooting for Georgia? And, um, he goes, that's not going to be the case this year. Well, didn't like, Pollock play at Georgia? Yes, he did. Okay. I'm like, who? I, I, I would probably agree that overall, most people were probably rooting for Georgia last year because they get tired of Alabama, but I don't think it was like everyone in the world. Um, well, and this year, everybody was rooting for TCU. Yeah, yeah, think, they were. Besides Georgia fans. But yeah, that, that was kind of awkward with, with those two being up there. I, I do think that if we're going to... Because we do know, every time somebody wins a title, well, especially a fair, when it's like I mean, it's that... it's a fair question. Like, has Georgia surpassed Bama? I, I think they probably surpassed them for right now. Like, if you're saying from now moving forward, sure. But are they going to go on the same sustained run of dominance Alabama did? I don't they know. Might. That's so much, dude. They might. They made, the, they made the playoff, like, every single year. They won the title, like, every other year. They might. They might. What if they win? What if they? What if Bama wins three straight next year? Or not Bama. Georgia, what if Georgia wins three straight next year? Yeah, then I guess that would be something Bama hasn't done. I, I don't think that's something that's been done anybody's ever done. in a while. I don't think anybody's no, ever done. No, I, I bet you it's happened, like, are in you, 40s are you serious? or something. It had to have three Oklahoma, straight titles. Oklahoma won like forty nine consecutive games or something. <laughs> like, uh, let's, let's look it up. NCAA I, I do know that national champion. Yeah, I do know that you, that USC team that lost to Texas. If they would have done it, they would have had it. It would have been well, a technicality because the, yeah, the split, because of right? the whatever the two thousand three two thousand four season whatever yeah. they split it. USC won five straight. No, that's baseball. <laughs> yeah, dude. What? But congrats to them. Five straight. 1970, 1974. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Well, hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't think it's ever, oh, wait. Wait a second. Here we go. From 1934 to 1936. Like Yale or something? Guess. Take a guess. Yale. Minnesota. Okay. Minnesota, 1934. Okay. Minnesota, 1935. Minnesota, 1936. That's Boom. really rare. Well, I guess, and, and I guess my point of what <clears> I'm saying. Oh, it that, happened again with Cal from 1920 to 1922. Hey. Well, but okay, but are we counting the ones like where they split titles. it between yeah. like 17 teams? Yeah. Because in 22, uh, on on the NCAA's official website, 1922 has Cal, Cornell, and Princeton all listed as the national champions. Well, I guess so. So basically, what I was getting at was. In 1919, the- they had four national champions. What? What are we doing? Soft. Very soft. Oh, my God. Four national champions? That's ridiculous. Michigan ran won four years in a row in 1901 to 1904, 1905. But, okay. In the 1800s and ni- early 1900s, how many, how many college football teams were there? Like 10? <laughs> Most of them were just playing for, like, exercise, honestly. <laughs> Uh, hey, Miami won in. Wait, what? What? Miami won in 1986, 1987, 1988, 1989, 1990, 1991. But not all of those are. No, that's not what the that's not what the NCAA's official website. Says. Yeah, their official one doesn't have that. The NCAA's official website has Miami in 1987, Notre Dame 1988, Miami 1989, Colorado 1990, along with Georgia Tech. Okay, so maybe it hasn't happened before. Well, I mean, I, I just I just told you Minnesota. No, I I don't want to count that. <laughs> okay, well if we're going, I mean, what would you we define? What would you define as the modern era of college football? 
No, I have no idea. Like what year what year would you say the modern era begins? Um Whenever the Ivy League schools stopped winning titles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, like nineteen okay. so we got forty seven. Michigan Notre what? Dame for it. No oh. Oh, okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't no, matter. No, because Yale won in nineteen twenty seven. Yeah, nineteen forty seven and on. Well, I don't see any other. Like, why don't you start it from 1928? I don't see any other. Because Army won it in like 1945. Just, Army's not an Ivy League school. Oh, what are you talking okay, whatever. About? Yeah, I in my head I was thinking I was grouping them all together. The weird schools that okay, won titles about, that would, that would, that would could, not win a title on. today. Time out. Mm-hmm. We could just make this a lot easier and just go off of whenever they started using the AP as the official. Sure, that's, that's 1934. Okay, or 1936. Excuse me, 1936. So in the modern era, so 1936. Was the last year Minnesota won in their three peat, but the previous years before that they were using whatever the hell CFRA is. Eight. I don't even know what that mm, is. I don't know. So we're not. So Minnesota didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So that means nobody's done it. Yeah. In the modern era of college football. Okay. So, but but anyway, here, I I do think if we had a twelve team playoff this year, uh, Georgia still wins the title. I I have no lack of confidence saying that, and they yes. they probably blow out most of the competition that they play. Yes. I do think we would have ended up with a better title game because basically what I was saying, TCU deserved to be in the title, but they probably were the fifth or sixth best team. They probably, right, right, maybe they win their first game because they have that Michigan game where they have kind of a weird type of win. They probably lose one of their other two games before they get there, and we probably get a better title game out of it. That's all I'm saying. Now, Georgia, yeah, I guess if they win next year, they're the greatest run in college football history is basically what we just came up with. I, I hope, though, what this doesn't happen, and I already have seen this a couple places, and, and it's are stupid. Are you going to say about the, oh, this is why the Big 12 yes. is not as good as the SEC? Yeah. There's that whole idea or the idea that, like, this is why you don't want, like, the the main schools not in the title game. And it's like, why do we let one game of sample size just because it's the title game just over-influence I mean, dude, we, we went through it before the playoffs even started. Even when it's been Clemson, Bama, Georgia, LSU, there was blowouts. Mm-hmm. There was blowouts. It doesn't matter that what name you put in front of the school or who it is. There's been blowouts with when you've had the best teams or whatever. Yeah. Whether it was SEC, ACC, Big Ten, whatever, there's been blowouts. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It doesn't matter. It's more. This should be more of a coronation of how good Georgia is Yes. than it should be an indictment on the Big 12 or anything. Correct. Because here's the thing. Which is just that good. And this is what's the most annoying thing about the SEC. It is the the lower tier and the mid-tier teams in the SEC, they just ride the coattails of the Georgias and Alabamas. So whenever you hear the chance of SEC, SEC, it's being ridden by the fact that, yes, Georgia and Alabama do have all the best players. But guess what? If you put, you know, Kentucky or... I don't know, name your middling SEC school this year. Kentucky Florida couldn't, couldn't even score against Iowa. Right. They're, they're going to, sure, they're, they're going to still be good. They they went, I don't know, 7-5 and five in the SEC. They'll probably still go 7-5 and five in, in the Big 12. It's it's not it's not something where, hey, Alabama went 10-2 and two in the regular season in the SEC. They would have gone undefeated in the Big 12. No, I don't, I don't think they would have. Okay, uh, question. I had a debate about this. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Georgia having all the good players, you got Brock Bowers, right, tied in for Georgia. He's not draft eligible this year. No. If if he was, would the Bears take him number one overall? <laughs> no. Why not? What do you mean? He's why tight not? End. Tight ends don't Are go you, number one. What do you overall. mean? He's the best player. No. Is he not the best player? No. He's really? very good. He's very very. good. You don't think he's the best player? No. Kyle Pitts went fourth, and this dude's way better. Way better. Mm. 
and he still has a whole other year of college. No, I, I still think the value of like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter being defensive linemen, the value of just now the Bears won't take quarterback. They have Justin Fields. They're probably going to trade down. I, I think it's just a value thing. It's the tight end thing. Now, could he have gone? Kyle he go Pitts top went five? fourth, no, or I, fifth, I, or whatever. Hey, I don't think it'd be crazy. He goes top five. I just think number one a bit of a stretch for me. Like Will Anderson plays one of the most outside of quarterback pass rusher is like the most premier position, and he is like an unworldly talent. Like he is Brock Bowers of of outside linebackers defensive ends, and so he would just go higher. I, I don't know, but he's really good. He's really good. Brock Bowers is very good. Chiefs should uh, find a way to see if they can sneak him as their first round pick this year, just to have his draft rights for next year. Is that even a thing? No, it's not. But I wish it was. They used to do that in the NBA. That's you all. Like draft the, a guy like before he's draft eligible. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, you just well. I guess technically they always were draft eligible, so you could just draft someone whenever. And then it was like whenever he decides that he is done with college, he's just like, okay, you you have my draft rights. That's, so that's, you can I can sign that's you. Literally dumb. Or go to a different league. That's literally so dumb. But like that's how. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I forget if it was. I hear uh, a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah, he he like that's how Larry Bird ended up with Celtics. He was taken sixth overall in the nineteen seventy eight draft. And he instead decided to play his last season at Indiana State. And they go to the NCAA title game. He has the he has the great season to which if he would have waited till the next year to be drafted, or if somebody would drafted him the next year, he probably goes like first or second overall. But they ended up with I think that's super that's interesting. I think teams should so be able to do that. Stupid. But you know how how screwed a lot of teams would get? Like Sam Howell would have gone like first overall one year and then he ended up being that's so dumb. You know? I like it. No, it's stupid. I think it adds more strategy. No. You just can take them as long as they... It adds less strategy. Because then it's just like you don't even know if the guy's going to be good or not. That's the risk. You got to come up so with that's, that's No, no. I, th- I think that's dumb. <laughs> All right. We're going to take unless, them out. Unless the Chiefs can take Brock Bowers. Then it's smart. Then it's smart. Or uh, Marvin Harrison. Sure. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Joined by... One of our regular and always wonderful guests, Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here on the show. And uh, we're going to get into some KU basketball, Big 12, all that stuff. But um, I wanted to start with college football, national title game last night, and Georgia just blows out TCU. I kind of made the argument earlier in the show that I, I think looking back, and I'm not saying TCU did not deserve to be in the title. They, they proved it. They, they earned their way there, and that's part of it. But I think realistically, they might have been like the fifth or sixth best team in the country when you look at, like, you know, Ohio State and Michigan, I feel like would have fared better against Georgia, even though I don't think anybody was beating Georgia last night. Uh, we saw the way Alabama blew out Kansas State, a team that could have beat TCU twice. Is, is last night reason why the 12-team playoff could actually be good because – I kind of wonder if TCU wouldn't have just found their way to that game at that point. You know, it, it's possible. I, I think that one of the things that does make it good, and I think we've talked about it on this show before, is when you have an expanded playoff pool, you have a recruiting pitch for a lot of different people, right? Like, it's not just the same four teams or the same few teams, and you say, okay, you know, these six or seven teams are – are the teams that have a chance to make the playoff, you know, they're the guys that are going to get all the recruits and and things like that. And and so I do think that when you look at it from that perspective, 
being able to say if you're let, let's say a TCU that thing stretches out into 12 teams you know TCU would have had what you know off the top of your head Derek would you say it's three or four playoff teams over the last you know I realize the yeah. playoff doesn't go back that far but if you take it back to like 2010 or so you know TCU would be a fairly regular team that, that made it and I think that that makes a big difference in, in terms of a lot of different things I think it makes your alumni want to, want to donate. I think that it probably helps you out from an NIL perspective in terms of who's willing to pay your players what. I think it helps from a recruiting standpoint, and obviously the NIL stuff helps there too. But I do think that there is a little bit of a chance maybe to create parity with that a little bit. So when you hear somebody say, and you know, our own Josh Pate is very much against expanding the college football playoff and they say you know we'll look at it now you don't have in some years you don't have four teams that that really deserve to be at the very top my argument would be you know kind of like what you're talking about you include that and you bump it up to a certain number of teams where more teams are included more teams are playing in it and you have a chance for some of those teams to go up against say alabama or georgia and the recruiting trail and say to him, hey, we've got a playoff team. Hey, we're only a few pieces away, so on and so forth. And maybe that talent gets distributed a little bit differently. Which of these do you think is more likely? Georgia being just the new Alabama now uh, of the last run we had seen over the previous decade, or TCU being the dominant team year in, year out in the new Big 12 that's going to be coming here in a couple years? Well, I think TCU is in a great spot. Because you look at the fact that Sonny Dice could not have planned this any better, right? Year one, you go to the national title game. And then all of a sudden, you lose Oklahoma and Texas, the two biggest brands, at least, in the Big 12 out of the conference. And, oh, by the way, you're just strategically located in one of the biggest talent mavens in the entire country. And so I I do think... That's going to be one of the things that will be fascinating to watch because there isn't necessarily, you look at the new Big 12 and the teams that are coming in, there isn't a team that plays in an 85,000-seat stadium where you're going to go there and say, okay, like TCU can't match this, right? Like there's not a team that has significantly better facilities than TCU in terms of where they play, in terms of their weight room, things like that. And there are teams in the league that, are doing a really good job. You know, Iowa State has done a really good job buffing up their facilities. Kansas State has done a really good job. Obviously, Kansas is looking to get into the market of, you know, potentially building a new stadium and, and, you know, taking a major bite out of the apple there. Texas Tech, you know, has unbelievable facilities. But nobody can balance sort of all of what TCU has there in terms of the location, the fact that they're already good. You're not just looking at them and saying, you know, like Colorado with Deion Sanders, where you're looking at them and saying, hey, there's a chance for something here. No, it's demonstrated. And so I do think TCU probably has a a little bit better shot to be, you know, sort of the team in the Big 12 at the the same time. I think it's, it's funny, we've seen so many different times, and I don't know, you know, it may be that Nick Saban is still coaching when I go into the cold ground, but um, I, I don't know how much longer Nick Saban's going to coach. One thing I would warn against is we've all seen in the past 
sort of whenever anybody comes out and and writes a eulogy for his program, he tends to respond pretty well. And when you look at this Alabama recruiting class that's coming in, and I realize they're freshmen, so maybe they don't impact next year or, or whatever else, but I do think that you're going to see a response from Tuscaloosa. I don't think that it's just automatically going to go George's George's way where you do say, hey, you know, this is no doubt. There's no competition. It's only Georgia. The one thing I would say about that, Derek, is I'm not sure anybody's going to match Georgia next year either. I mean, if you watch last night's game, how many times did somebody make a play and they say, oh, yeah, that's that sophomore, that's a freshman or or whatever else. And so, you know, Georgia, I think, is well-equipped to potentially make a run at number three next year. Yeah, we were just talking about that earlier. I mean, that it just it doesn't happen. So I guess who are the teams? Like, what is the list of teams that you would go down that you think can legitimately win a national title next year? Oh, gosh. I, I need to look into that a lot more, I feel like, before, before I can answer it. Um, Alabama, if they can get quarterback play, that's the big question there. I think they had a lot of good young players this year, but – you're having to replace Bryce Young, and you're while Alabama has kind of jumped from one elite quarterback to the next, you're just never 100% sure how that's going to work out. And so I do think Alabama is going to be in it. I think uh, it, it's really interesting to see how LSU is going to build with what they did in year one under, under Brian Kelly. But again, I'm pretty sure you have another program there that's that's looking for a new quarterback, Ohio State. I love that roster, but again, C.J. Stroud is going pro. And so I I do think, you know, you're going to be looking at probably a lot of similar teams. I think Michigan, you know, obviously brings back J.J. McCarthy. You bring back Blake Corum, USC. You you look at Caleb Williams coming back, but, you know, can they fix that defense is a major question. And so – uh, I think next year may be a little bit more wide open, but if Georgia finds a quarterback to go with all that young talent, I'm not entirely sure that they should start next year off at number one again. Absolutely crazy. Uh, where do you think the Big 12 is going to kind of slot into what's expected of them next season? Like, I, I guess, what are the expectations for TCU? Who's going to even be picked to finish up top? Like, is Kansas going to be preseason top 25? I don't know. What do you kind of make of the Big 12 for the 2023 season? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really funny. You know, last night uh, there were a lot of people joking about how far TCU got this year with the backup quarterback because, you know, of course, Max Duggan didn't start their first game and, and wound up being a Heisen Trophy candidate. You, you would figure, you know, there's, there's likely to be a new quarterback at TCU. And you think about it, too, a lot of times when you have teams that just go nuts in close games, and TCU won just about every close game it was in this year, with the lone exception being the Big 12 title game, a lot of times those are teams that are due for regression. Those are the teams that the next year maybe the ball doesn't quite bounce the same way. Maybe they have a few more turnovers. and so Like Baylor last you year, right? These, exactly. That's a perfect example. And so – I see TCU, you know, kind of coming back to earth a little bit next year. I think Texas Tech is really interesting in the Big 12. Nobody's really picking them, but I think you look at Shuck coming back, you look at the young guys that, that played quite a bit this year, they're kind of a sleeper, I think, that people aren't, aren't talking about. 
K-State is really fascinating because there are still some NFL decisions out there that I think could really influence whether or not you see Kansas State as, hey, this is an 8-4 and four K-State team, or hey, this team may be the best in the Big 12. I think Oklahoma is going to be better. Oklahoma was the exact opposite of TCU in that Oklahoma did not win a single one of its close games this year. And so it, it was a team that, on one hand, you look at it and you say they'll probably win a few of those close games. The other thing that would make you a little wary, though, I think there, Derek, is Matt Campbell is not good in close games. And that's been borne out over now a significant period of time. We don't know yet whether that's the case with Brent Venables. We have a one-year sample size. And so could it be that Oklahoma's in a lot of close games next year and they kind of find ways to lose those close games because – you know, Brent Venables just struggles there. I, I think that's a real possibility. And the team that everybody loves, Derek, and, and we love to talk about on this show, I think Texas may be the preseason favorite in the Big 12 <laughs> next year. And, and it, it feels like we say this every single year, but you you look at a lot of the guys coming back, obviously B. John Robinson mm. not being one of them. Arch Manning effect. Arch Manning, you know, you figure Quinn Ewers just going into his second year as a starter. I thought he got a lot of unfair criticism, you know, for a guy who was playing his first college football this year. And so you look at that, you look at the talent around that roster. And again, like you could basically like rewind and probably play me saying this each of like the last five years or so, I feel like. But at the same time, I think when we're talking about preseason rankings and talking about, okay, are there any Big 12 teams that are going to be preseason top 10? I feel like Texas maybe has the best chance there. And then, of course, this this is a KU show and everything. I don't think KU will be preseason top 25. I'm not saying they won't be a top 25 team at some point, and they may even wind up in there. But I think that what we talked about heading into the bowl, I think for Kansas to be a preseason top 25 team, they really needed to beat Arkansas. And I realize that doesn't have – any bearing on next year's team. But I think that had they beaten Arkansas, there would have been the intrigue among voters where they would have looked at it a little more, said, hey, this team returns 10 of 11 starters on offense. Hey, they won seven games. They might have won nine if Jalen Daniels had been able to stay healthy all year. And so I think that because they lost to Arkansas, people looked at it as, hey, he's kind of a cool story, a cute story, however you want to put it. But they aren't going to necessarily do the due diligence and the studying and things that they might do with some other teams that you would see as maybe a contending team. Right, switching over to some uh, Big 12 hoops here for a second. Who do you think is the biggest Big 12 title threat to Kansas? And what do you think the target number is for the amount of wins that get it done to win the title? I, I'm not dodging. I, I promise you when I say that, I have no idea. And, and, and I would love to sit here and just, you know, pound the table for somebody and say, this is the team, Derek. This is the team that's going to be the challenger. But I think that when you look across the Big 12, I think you can find flaws in, in everybody. And they aren't necessarily fatal flaws where you say, okay, this is why this team isn't going to make the NCAA tournament. But they're teams that can chop a team down uh, on a night-to-night basis. You look at TCU, and that team is really tough. They're hard-nosed. They're mentally tough. 
And they may be worse shooting from distance than the three members of this show that are on right now. <laughs> I mean, they they are really. I think you're really overestimating right. my my athletic abilities there, Kevin. <laughs> it, it, that might be the case, you know. In <laughs> case K State, I think you worry about the defense. You also worry, you know, wonder a little bit. Hey, they got some big game, big wins last week. Baylor hasn't really been Baylor yet. And Kansas State, you know, kind of snuck out a win there. K-State very easily could have lost to West Virginia in Manhattan and didn't. And, I mean, you can say some of the same things about Kansas when you're talking about Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. But I'm just saying that's what makes it so tough to predict. Iowa State's defense is going to be there just about every week. And they're a tough team, but they can't score. And so... I really don't know. I think you're going to have just sort of this log jam of one possession games. And depending on how you come out of those games is where you're going to be in the standings. And I think that with Kansas playing Oklahoma, Oklahoma is one of those teams that you can circle and say they dropped a couple games early that, you know, maybe they shouldn't have dropped that were one possession games. And that could be the difference in whether or not OU even reaches the NCAA tournament. And I think you're going to see that throughout the conference. Okay, what I'm very interested in is kind of what you were just talking about. Who do you think is the worst team in the Big 12 right now? Gosh, that's, that's tough because it might, be, it might be Oklahoma. I tend to think right now it's probably Texas Tech just with the guys they have out. And that's kind of cheating, I feel like. To, to say that because what Pop Isaacs is out now and you know you're you have some guys that are missing time and so if we were to have the Big 12 tournament today and play it all the way out on the other end where you have games to decide who the ninth best team the tenth best team is I, I think it'd probably be Texas Tech you know Oklahoma State is is really streaky and when I say streaky usually you mean They've got these incredible highs, but with Oklahoma State, it's kind of different. Like they've got these streaks where they look decent, you know, with the exception of just absolutely scorching the Nets at Allen Fieldhouse. But they also have these streaks where they just don't look very good or connected, or they aren't quite as good, I feel like, as the sum of their parts. And I, I feel like that's a little bit weird because I watch them a lot with Mike Boynton, and I think. Mike Boynton is usually very good at, at kind of getting the most out of out of what he has. This year's team that light hasn't come on yet, and so they're kind of the other team that I would I would put there and say, hey, on on a given night, yeah. But if we're stretching this thing out over eighteen or so games, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Oklahoma State finish at the bottom of the conference. Okay, does that make you concerned about Kansas at all? That the answer to that question that you just gave about the worst team in the conference, two of those teams Kansas played and. Barely won. No, I don't think so. I think it's really tough to win in Lubbock. And even beyond that, some of the guys that we talked about with Tech were playing at that point. You know, Pop Isaacs obviously was a really big part of that game for for Texas Tech. I think, too, Kansas, you know, for better or worse, and obviously you hope that they clean this up, I think Kansas gets bored at times. And you saw the first half against Oklahoma State was, was far from ideal. They basically went into halftime, said, okay, no more of that. And then they erased the deficit in, you know, in, in pretty quick fashion. You look at the Texas Tech game, Kansas was comfortably ahead. I mean, if you would have, if somebody would have said to you heading in, 
KU is going to lead by 10 points with four minutes left in Lubbock, you would have said, yes, please, absolutely. I will take that any day of the week. And that's what it was. And then they didn't close it out and, and, you know, kind of got a little sloppy at the end. I thought the West Virginia game was probably their best, you know, showing all the way through in conference play. But no, I, I'm not necessarily worried about where Kansas is at and how they've played and, and, you know, those different things. I also don't think what was Oklahoma State to to start off the game from three against Kansas. And, And I think that was a little bit of an outlier shooting performance as well. But Kansas obviously responded to that pretty well. He is Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. You can give him a follow on Twitter, or you can uh, check out all his work with 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. Kevin, appreciate the time as always, man. Happy New Year, and uh, talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That's Kevin Flaherty. Always does great work and enjoy having him on. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down. One to go. We're going to talk some more KU hoops. we got some Bill Self audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have KU women's basketball coming at you tonight. And uh, that one going to be pregame 645, tip-off at 7 o'clock. We'll have the men's game after the the women's game ends, so we'll basically be around the second half on and uh, post-game. We'll have the entirety of the men's game over on our sister station. That'll be on 105.9 KISS. Um, The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet or your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? You can bet on Kansas right now. They are minus 10.5. The over-under is at 134 for the time being. So I think that actually went up. Earlier today, it was at 132.5. So kind of interesting there that people are uh, betting the mm. over. Moneyline Kansas is minus 550. Um, Here's something that's interesting. So Georgia oh, drops. What's interesting? Georgia dropped sixty-five on TCU last night, right? Yeah, just dominant game. TCU had never had a shot. Okay. Georgia scored sixty-five. Oklahoma's team total over under is sixty-one and a half. So huh. I mean, if if I if I paired it and said who scores more, Georgia last night or Oklahoma today, the odds makers are telling you Georgia last night. There's a three yeah. to spare in there too. Man, that's tough. That is tough. That's really RIP, tough. RIP, you know RIP. that's going to be a joke. That I, I don't know who I feel tougher about. That's going to be a joke mostly made in TCU's behest. Anybody in basketball who scores under 65 tonight, TCU's oh. going to be the burn of the joke. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL to get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing bet. NFL bet up to $10. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. So we got to make our game picks for the game. And okay. uh, like I just said, Kansas has given up 10.5 points. Over-under is 134. Yeah. Which of those do you like better? 
Oh, I like the over. I like the over. I like the Just over. Just because it's a low number. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is one thirty four that low of a number? Do you think? I mean, that's that's pretty you think that's low. low. I, I'm not saying it's low for. Well, I can only assume just in that general, I can low. only assume that it's low because, like we talked about in the open, Oklahoma runs the world's slowest offense, yep. the world's slowest tempo. And if you run a slow tempo, less possessions, yes, less points. Yeah, and so if you run a slower tempo, if both teams are making shots, it won't matter. Like a exactly. good example of that exactly. was the Texas Tech game. Yeah, that game ended both teams in the seventies, but both teams had to shoot like fifty percent from three to get it in the seventies. So it ended up over, but like. I don't know. Yeah. I still like the over, though. Because Kansas is going to try to speed up the game, I would assume. I would think. I would think so. So, to me, that says over. And also, you know, listen. It don't take a lot to convince me on the over. <laughs> it really doesn't. I'm sold pretty much from the get-go, mm-hmm. most most cases. So that's that's I what I would like, feel a lot better about. I feel like you've taken the over in each of these. I have. No matter I've what. literally taken the over in every single one. That way, that's not true. I should be under in one of them, I think. But here's the deal. Oklahoma, in their two, they've lost two conference games by a combined four points. Mm-hmm. So Kansas minus 10.5, that's, that's a lot. But in the same token, Kansas was only a one-point favorite against West Virginia, and they win by 15 or 14. 16. How many? 14? 14. I don't know. 15. Wait. I think it was 16. No, it was 14. I don't know. Wasn't it 76, 62? 14. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Boom. 14. So, uh, these... This is crazy. What's that? Well, that's not like that crazy. Kansas is... When you look at the teams they've played tempo-wise... Okay. um, Like, the fastest they've played is Indiana. Worked out well. They won by 22. Slowest team they played is is Wisconsin, and they won by one. Yep. Um, Oklahoma, obviously very slow. This will be the slowest team they play remaining. Well, they play Oklahoma again, though. Yeah. But, like, the slowest games that KU has played are actually, or, or opponents KU's played is Duke and Wisconsin, and in both those games, KU only scored 69 points, which means if they do that in this game to hit the over, Oklahoma's going to have to score 66, and it's going to be an uncomfortable game at that point. That is not true. Why? 69 plus 64 is 132, is it not? That's 133. The over-under is 134. So you need to score what? Two more. So it'd be 66. Or 66? Hmm. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying that that, that doesn't make me feel great. Sure. Yeah, fine. Um, But also, you're not going to talk me out of it. I'm okay. just going to tell you right now. You could give me well, also literally the Wisconsin any game was stat, overtime. Literally any stat you could possibly think of, you could give it to me, and it's not a change of mind. Okay. Period. You could say, I don't even know, like what I mean, Oklahoma is they they're the they're they're the slowest team ever in the history of college basketball. Ever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm gonna lean over. <laughs> Playing a little Does devil's advocate. Not matter. Um Kansas minus ten and a half. Yeah, that one I'm a little more shaky about just because, like I alluded to, Oklahoma's lost two conference games by a combined four points. It's the Big 12. Almost every matchup feels like it's within a couple possessions. So I'm leaning towards Oklahoma, honestly. Yeah, I, I think 
the rule is just going to be for me. Bet What's your rule? any Big 12 team if they're getting double-digit points this year in a Big 12 conference game. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad. I don't think it's like a you're going to lose some of them. It might lose tonight, but I, I think overall, you'll you'll probably, probably win more than you lose. You would think. Yes, so that's what I'm going to go with. You would think. Did because, you ever uh, what? come up with a favorite prop bet for the night? Oh, I haven't even looked actually. So we got Dewan Harris over under seven and a half points. Grady Dick is fourteen and a half. I mean, whatever I can, Grady Dick's over under and three point makes, I would probably be. It's two and a half. I would probably still take that. But it's only minus 115. Oh, never mind. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's not like that much lower than the normal odds. No, that's true. Um, yeah, I, li- I like Grady. 14 half- Grant Shurfield does not have good defensive numbers on like Evan Miyakawa's website and, and hasn't been known for being a great defender. Also, Shurfield's averaging like 18, 19 a game. His over-under is 15 and a half. I know you don't want to bet on an OU guy, but that's oh, not a no, bad bet. Not. Tanner Groves also, his over-under is only nine and a half. He averages like 11.7 per game. And he's done okay. well against KU. I think that's kind of a good bet. Um, Jalen over 19.5. I think he's going to score 20. I like that one. Um, let's see. Grady Dick, 5.5 rebounds. Jalen, 8.5 rebounds. Kevin McCuller, 6.5. I don't know if any of those jump off. You got uh, maybe. Dewan, 5.5 um, assists I mean, over here's, under. Here's the thing, though. The over under for the game is 134, minus 110. Yep. But if you wanted to buy a couple points, you could easily do that. Sure. Here's one that I, mean, I find one ten. But if you go to if you go to over under uh, one thirty and a half, so mm-hmm. three and a half points, it goes minus one sixty five. Like that's that's not there. Yeah. So I'm all aboard Jalen Wilson. I think over two and a half assists at plus one ten is kind of interesting for Jalen. He usually gets either two or three assists, and in a game where I think he could blow by like the Groves brothers repeatedly on drives, it could lead to a lot of driving kicks. I also think you can get Jalen Wilson over 30 and a half points, rebounds, assist total. If I think he's going to score 20 and could get 8 to 10 rebounds and get 3 or more assists, I like that bet too. Also, so those are ones I feel out. a lot better, or I, I feel really good about Kansas team total for the first half over 34 and a half. I feel pretty good about okay. that one. So those are the ones. You like the over 34 and a half. You could buy some points. I said I like DeWan over 7 and a half points earlier. I like Grady Dick to have a big offensive game, and I like Jalen to have a big offensive game. Those are what I'd be looking and at. And Kansas will win. If He's Nick Springer. If they don't, I'll be sad. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we've got Bill Self Audio. He spoke with the media ahead of the game later tonight against Oklahoma. Once again, you can hear that game here on KLWN after the women's game ends. The women's team's taking on Texas on the road. They're looking to bounce back. They just lost to Baylor over the weekend. So looking to beat a Texas team that probably not as quite as good as they were last year, but they're still a very talented team. So you can hear that one pregame, 645, tip-off 7. Once that game ends, we'll switch over to our men's game, which will probably be around halftime at that point. You can hear the entirety of the men's game over on our sister station, 1059KISS, 1059KISSFM.com and the 105.9 KISS app. With Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.